Hello, everyone. After the victory over Gillingham the week before, Grant sums up the Wimbledon result with normal service resumed. Steve Bennett also looks back at Gillingham, saying, we now know it was them who were awful. Liam kept his thoughts to himself, as it's a family show. Steve Dale missed the trip to London and has never been so relieved not to go. Mr B thinks the late rally didn't make up for the dog mess of a first half, and Colin Higginson doesn't think anyone deserves to win when they gift goals away so easily. A few players were picked out. Alex Smith labelled Gomez and Thomas's performances as shocking. Luke Bevington was another who picked out Thomas. He's way off what we're after. Joshua Kudney listed a lot of players but added, the striker can't move so he can't build up and the formation is dreadful with no width. Adam Turner believes there were many negatives on Tuesday but Long and Porter linking up well was a rare positive. Dave Gallagher and Gresty Rodender both think this is now the worst team since the Steve Davis era. On to Sunday in Ipswich, surprisingly considering the result again, a few positives coming through. Tom Mayo thinks it was an excellent performance and they are slowly converging on a lineup and formation that works. Aaron Lewis agrees it was far more positive than the scoreline looks. Alex Wayman thought Finney, Griffiths and Lowry bring balance to the midfield, but this formation does not work for Rio. Tim Green thought we huffed and puffed, but the reality is we've lost to another out-of-form team. Graham Miles wants to know why it takes us going behind for us to start playing. Josie disagrees with the positivity. He thinks relegation is a certainty, and for him, there's no fight, no leadership, and no team mentality. Sam Medford believes there is still a lack of belief to turn positive performances into points. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. A little bit of a different podcast to last week uh, after the Gillingham victory. Two defeats. Uh, we've got a panel as ever to go through them. We have got Tim Robinson. Hi, Tim. Hi, Stu. All right. Good, thank you. Steve Hahn. Hello, Steve. Hello, Stu. And it's welcome back after his debut performance a little while ago, Andy Kinnear. Hello, Andy. Hi, Stu. Good to be back. Now, let's start, as seems logical, Wimbledon, Tuesday night away. Uh, Offord was suspended. Thomas comes in. Steve, um, I think it really says something about how the transfer window has gone, that people are disappointed that he's coming into the team in place of one of the three academy centre-backs that we've got playing at the moment. Um, I've got to be honest, I don't like him. I think his attitude stinks. He he plays in a very half-hearted manner. He's clearly a very talented footballer. And I think back to those early games when I think his his mind was a bit more on the job and he's he's got good feet, he can bring the ball out from the back. If I'm honest, it just looks like he can't be arsed and he's not up for the fight. And I didn't really want him in the team, but we got no options, have we really? So in he came. What do you put that down to, this attitude change? Because I've heard that his, you know, his transfer was called off last minute in the summer due to off-field issues, but it's been arranged. Is that what it is? He's just basically biding his time, Tim, with us before he can move on to the championship? I don't know. I, I think he had a pretty bad illness last year, which finished off his season prematurely, and I think that might have been why the transfer didn't go through. Um, but you always get a little bit suspicious when you get a player that joins on a one-year contract that 
you'll see them for one year, their heart might not be fully in it, and then they'll be off. I, I was quite impressed with him to start with. I thought he had a couple of really good games, but since then he's been he's been pretty poor in my eyes. Um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm Luke Offord's biggest fan, but I'd rather have Offord in the team ahead of Thomas at the moment any day of the week. OK, Andy, I'm going to give you the privilege of talking about a crew goal that are few and far between this season. Um, is it 11 minutes in? Chris Porter, nice little assist for Chris Long. Um, what what does he do well? I, I tell you, I, I enjoyed that goal. I thought for the first time, it felt like Gomez properly showed up and did a bit, like earlier in the movie, did a bit of nice touches. And then there was a, a bit where it broke down on the right and the ball dropped back to Lowry and he put a really nice ball in for Porter. And that, that little kind of one-two move that then put um, Long in was excellent. And I tell you, you can't fault... Long's confidence. I mean, he, I think he shoots occasionally when he's when he shouldn't, um, but he's he's got that kind of striker mentality. And I mean, I I, I thought he was odds on not to score. To be absolutely honest, he got himself in a bit of a tough position. He made the angle a bit tight for himself. Um, he probably only got maybe six inches to get it past the keeper, and he absolutely laced it. And it was a it was a really good confident finish. So um, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it actually. Um, I just wish he'd sort of calm down a little bit. I think he's a bit eager to shoot. Those six inches are all important, aren't they? <laughs> Depends who you ask. Um, so I thought with the Chris Long one, he seems to do anything he can to avoid hitting it with his right. He wants to get on his left, get on his left, get on his left. And all of a sudden he just thinks, do you know what? I'm just going to whack it with his right. And he does. He puts it in the corner perfectly. Um, so, Andy, if you've had the privilege of talking about a crew goal, who wants to take the first Wimbledon goal? Inevitably, it's a, it's a header from a set piece that we haven't dealt with. Um, he looks like he's got it. But then like that bar of soap in the shower, he's got it, he's not got it, it's gone between his legs. He's arse over tit over the line. They're both over the line. I don't know how he went in, but in a part goalkeeper to blame. And again, part us being inept from set pieces. And throughout the night at Wimbledon, we were dreadful at set pieces and looked like we would concede every time they chucked a corner into the box. Yeah, he got quite a lot of stick for that one. And then also for the second one, I... I absolutely see that point of view. But if I'm the goalkeeper, I'm furious that this guy has had a running jump, six yards, headed it with no defence challenging, no one putting him under any pressure. Um, it's, just, it's just not good enough, I don't think, Tim, at the moment, is it? No, I mean, I, I, I give the set-piece taker a bit of credit. I think it's hard to get any put in um, ball after ball into our box that caused us no end of, of difficulties. I think with that first one, Adebisi gets under it and misses his header. And Rodoni gets basically a, a four-yard four-yard out header, and as you say, unchallenged. But again, whenever a ball comes into the six-yard box, I want my keeper to be coming and claiming that. Um, f- for me, it's it's keeper's ball every time. If he if he comes and claims it and wipes out everyone as he does so, he doesn't have to th- then even try and make the save that he eventually lets in. And then we'll go straight on to the second one because it's not too far from coming. Again, a lot of fingers pointed at Dave Richards for that one. Shot sort of saved, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think inevitably when you're conceding a lot of goals, the keepers get a bit of stick. I, it, in reality, I don't think either of our keepers are good enough for this league, in truth. And I think that they're, 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 you know, they're causing some of the goals. And I, you know, I agree with what the lads have said about getting to the crosses and things like that. I think he did well to get down for the save, but it's it's just classic. He, he gets his hands to it and he palms it straight out to the kid he running into, you know, to set up the tap in. And um, 
I think what was disappointing for me was after after we conceded the first, we just evaporated. I mean, they that, they got that goal, that second goal, but they could have got a second, you know, with a couple of chances before it, and they definitely could have got more after before they scored again. You know, it was. I I think we when we concede a goal, we seem to mentally really disappear. It's 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 depressing actually. I sort of think for professional footballers to to go AWOL so easily when you can see the goal is is you know a bit um, bit worrying and that that yeah that second goal was came from that really for me it was you know lack of concentration keeper don't do great defenders are all static guys got a tap in and gives it to the fans behind the goal Tim again you um wanted to pick out on the defense just not giving him any support again he's not really made a great save but there's no support for him there is there I think the golden rule of goalkeeping is with one like that you either catch it or you push it out far away from goal. So, you know, Richards has got to take a little bit of blame for for that going in. But if you if you look at what happens when Richards parries that, three of the Wimbledon players are straight onto the rebound and there's three of our defenders in a line just looking at the ball. Radoni gets to it first and then cuts it back and there's literally two guys just stood completely unmarked on the basically on the goal line to tap it in. I think when they reviewed that goal on, uh, well, I guess, probably Wednesday some point, that would have made some pretty uncomfortable viewing for some of those defenders, I think. And then, Steve, I'll come to you for the third one. Uh, we're not going to blame the goalie for that one, but, you know, it's our friend Tower Thomas passes it to the Wimbledon player and then Luke Murphy gets a piggyback on the back of the player with the ball. Did you see any different? Was it was it Tom? I thought it was Madger, was it faffing around at the throw? Was it it was one of them, wasn't it? And and they, they gave Mur- Thomas, yeah, and they gave Murphy a, a half-hearted pass. And he it was clumsy, but it, it was a penalty, wasn't it? But we were again our own our own worst enemies in, in dangerous areas, as I think we saw today, as we saw consistently on, on Tuesday night when their pressure was too much for us and we, we tried to football our way out but we were constantly getting caught not necessarily the three lads at the back I thought Murphy and Lowry were culpable of getting caught consistently on Tuesday night in possession so I wouldn't really want to lay the blame at, at the three the three the three fellows who are playing out from the back it's those two midfielders that are picking the ball up in front of them and then to go back to what Andy said after we were talking about the second goal, I think the stat, was it 24 shots from Wimbledon and two from Crewe until the last five minutes or so? Um, it was just really hard watching. I know I'm in a different time zone and, you know, it was coming up to 2am by the time the game finished, but I can't have been the only Crew fan struggling to keep an interest in this game before that second Crew goal. Tim? Yeah, I- I, I gave Wimbledon a fair amount of, of credit. I thought their their pressure off the ball was excellent and their movement when they did have the ball was superb. Um, but we just fell apart. If they'd have got to half-time and only scored one goal, I think they'd have been absolutely sick because they had chance after chance after chance and we just looked like we couldn't live with them. Um, and, yeah, is that a softness? Is it, a, is it a laziness, giving the ball away? Is it just, you know, a lack of desire to work as hard as the opposition? Possibly, I, I I think more than anything, I just I put it down to we, we we just aren't a very good team. So when we come up against the League One opposition that are playing well, like we did on Tuesday, we we're gonna we're gonna struggle, and and we did. I thought there was a there was a huge gulf in in quality more than anything. I didn't lose interest in the game, um, but yeah, I just I just found it tough to watch, you know, from my crew supporting bias. I think it's worth also that um I read the stat they hadn't won at home since September. 
this isn't a team who are on fire. Well, we turned up and they kind of smelt blood and went for it. A bit like Baltimore, they were in a poor run of form. And then they took us to the cleaners and made us look and made themselves look far, far, far superior to us. It's why that first goal was such a killer though, Steve, for me. It's, it's, we were in that game, we were playing well, we were doing all right, we'd scored a really good goal and then we'd give them an absolute, you know, tap, you know, just a ridiculous goal to concede. And you could see the players for me, it was body language after that, after that first went in. They kind of knew that they'd worked hard to get a lead and they just offered it up. And I think Wimbledon had the exact opposite response. They had, come on, we're back in this cheap. Let's, let's go on and, you know, crack on. I thought they played some great stuff, to be fair. It was, um, I thought they, were, they looked a decent side. Their movement was excellent. Um, far better than our defenders could deal with, that's for certain. But um, but I think that, you know, game swing on those key moments and that and that tapping header was, you know, was was so killer for us, I thought. There was a bit of a response, wasn't there? I think it took to the 91st minute or so. Uh, another crew goal. And this time it was Chris Long setting up Chris Porter. Um, Tim, I'll do you the honours because, you know, you're not sure how many more he's going to get before he's uh, finished. So happy to see him score another one. Yeah, I always happy when crew score. Um, it was, and it was a really nice goal, I thought. Um, Rio won the ball back in, you know, on the edge of our box in a kind of right back position. And... Um, came forward with a, a great ball from Regan Griffiths. Um, he judged the pace of it for Long to run onto really well. And then Long kind of got into the left channel and um, squared, squared up his man, beat him on the outside and put a beautiful ball in for Porter, who really only kind of scores two types of goals now. There's the, the tap-in from two yards and the penalty. Um, and, and and that was a tap-in from two yards. Actually, it was it was a fairly nice finish. He kind of like flicked it around the corner. Um right in front of us. So, um, yeah, made, made up with that. It was just a shame, really, that um, there was so little left of the game at that point. And then, Steve, there's only really one more thing to talk about from the Wimbledon game. The red card fully justified, in my opinion, two silly yellow cards right at the end of the game. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, it was um, it was madness, really. He'd, he'd, he'd not been booked long before. And it was one of those where... Um, I think Williams got there first and cleared it, and he just left his foot in and took him out. And it's a clear, it's a clear yellow. Um, although I think the ref actually gave it as a straight red, from what I see. So I think that maybe there's there's the contention. And yeah, there was a little bit of handbags and a bit of pushing and shoving, but I think Williams was yellow carded as well, which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, the outcome for me is the same. It's it's a red card, whether it's a straight red card, whether it's a second yellow. That that is irrelevant for us because that's just down to the games that a fella will miss. But uh, it's nice to see actually that Williams isn't, you know, he's 17, playing his fourth game, and he wasn't afraid to, to get in there and give some verbals to, to the other lads. So it's nice to see a crew player give a bit of needle. And it's good to see Offord or come on to the, today's game doing the same again um, to their player today. So it's good to see that he's a young lad, but he's not backward and coming forward and that kind of thing. Yeah, just on, on the sending off, it was actually a, um, he was given a straight red for spitting. And and that was actually overturned because um, I presume Williams said that he never actually did spit. Um, so it, it was overturned. He was originally given a six-game ban and then it, w- it was overturned because we said, no, it never happened. The referee imagined it. So he actually, um, the suspension was overturned and he scored on Saturday against Fleetwood. Fair enough. Um, I was just, the one thing from a crew point of view is Williams does, if you watch the replay, he does get up and put his head into his chest uh, you know, any high up, and that's a red card for him as well. So, possibly Andy, the fact he got away with maybe not the most sensible decision, 
by just getting a yellow card because he wasn't quite stood up fully, fully upright at that point. Yeah, I think I yeah, I mean I agree with you, and it, it, it it's a bit of a risky thing to go towards an opposition player, no matter how angry you are these days. The the refs are so eager and so on it to to do all of that. But I, I'm with you a bit, Steve. I I think this team has lacked fight all season actually, and I think certainly as as fans watching, occasionally you want to see somebody getting a bit angry and um, look, looking like it properly matters. And I think you know that's what I enjoyed, and I think at 17 to be coming into a proper you know heavyweight men's game. And, and and saying, hang on a minute, I'm not going to be bullied. You're not going to run into me and kick me and get away with it kind of thing. I think he's, he's probably a good thing. You are right, though, Stu. I mean, it would be absolutely devastating to see a kid get sent off for, you know, just overzealous reaction in a game that's probably gone. We're in the, what, 94th minute or something at that point. It was it was all over. Um, so he just needs to be a little bit careful. But I kind of think our defender at times is... is He's really lightweight, and so I think if we've got you know people in there that are willing to mix it a little bit, then then hopefully we'll be you know we'll be stronger for it in the long term. Okay, Tim. Just before we finish on Wimbledon, um, first time crew fans have had a chance to go there. I read Max and Emma from uh, you know Max has been on the podcast from Emma's Ground Guide. They weren't particularly sold on the new uh, Wimbledon ground. What was your perspective of it? Yeah, I, I thought it was nice enough. Um, I probably wasn't as blown away by it as I thought I might be. Um, it's kind of weird. You've got three sort of small, ordinary stands, a little bit like, I guess, you know, the, the pop side or the away end at, at Gresty Road. And then you've got one kind of ultra-modern, ultra-stylish, swanky media centre stand along one side of the pitch, which would be the kind of main stand. So in some ways it resembles Gresty Road, but... Um, yeah, it was okay. It's it's nowhere near as good as Rotherham's, but much better than Shrewsbury's. Yeah, if you've not checked out Emma's ground guides yet on uh, on Twitter, where, wherever else, I don't know where else they are. Uh, I think it's the burgers that lost uh, Wimbledon quite a lot of marks. Uh, apparently they were rock hard and pretty plain. All right, let's move on to the game that has just finished about 20, 30 minutes ago. Uh, Ipswich away, a 2-1 defeat. Uh, I had a friend who was there, he texted me and said before the game, uh, he didn't really like the look of the body language of the players warming up. I appreciate it's quite cold today in the UK. Um, but, you know, he might have had a point considering how the game started, Steve. Yeah, um, he beat him once, he came back, he beat him again. Um, I mean, I think Offord's a bit unlucky. I think I can't, I don't know if there's any real blame attached to him there, but we just look very... I hate to I hate to tar real with this brush, but that um stamp his foot down, plant his foot defending was very reminiscent of Carl McFasdeen when that lad skipped past him. Um and he made Real look very, very average. To be fair, he's he's a good player. I think he's played for Fulham, hasn't he? He's he's a good experienced player. Um, but he, he did make Rio look a bit raw. Uh, and inexperienced for those first sort of 15 minutes, really. They got a bit of a battering down that down that left hand side. Yeah, it wasn't a tremendous start to the game, was it, Tim? No, it wasn't. And and you're right, it, the body language was awful. That first goal was like it, we were having a competition to see how many defensive mistakes we could cram into one opposition move. Um, we weren't tracking runners. Um, simple one-twos got round us. Uh, as Steve said, Rio just kind of planted his foot and, and let the guy past him so easily and then yeah, I mean, Offord probably was a little bit unlucky, but he, he didn't even, he hadn't even moved his foot. It just kind of like bounced off his stationary leg. Um, it was, yeah, an awful, awful start. And then the next five minutes, I thought this could be a cricket score. But to be fair, we did start to come into the game after that. 
Yeah, I wrote down about 15, 20 minutes. We started to get into it, started finding some space. Um, Tommy Lowry, Regan Griffiths started to find, you know, Ollie Finney trying to get in that space between their midfield, their defence. We had a few chances, Andy, without really having any big chances, didn't we? Yeah, I thought, I, do you know what? I thought it, <clears throat> it was a really even first half for me, actually. I thought we played some really decent football and, and um, I'm sort of a little bit, I'm trying to find some optimism as we all are this season. It's hard going, but I, I thought we genuinely calmed down and played some, you know, proper passing, some proper moving, people running about a bit. And it, there was elements of positiveness. We ended up with a couple of shots sort of in and around outside the box. I mean, these lads have got to learn how to get their head over the ball because just looping it over the bar from, you know, 18 yards or whatever, come on. You know, we've we worked hard to get there, get, a, get you know, get a shot on target. But, you know, I think I I thought we did okay. And actually, to be honest, apart from, you know, I think it was a horrendous opening goal, to be honest. That's just, I mean, unbelievably bad defending. And um, I think apart from that, I was thinking, well, we're going to get to half time here. You know, one down, we're still in this game. Um, and actually, we were starting to look all right. There was enough positives to be, you know, thinking we could we could go on and get something. Yeah, it looked, you know, like we were building up. We were getting into the game, and then I don't know, Tim, what what happened for that second goal? It was a tremendous finish, but should he be allowed to uh, to even do that? Uh, there's there's no blame attached from a defensive point of view for, for me to anyone there. I mean, all right, you can say he was allowed to control the ball a bit too easily, but I mean, he's still 35 yards and goal out on the on the right, you, no one can imagine that he's going to cantonar it into the top corner. It's just the sort of thing that happens to us at the moment. We we get to a we get a platform. We look like we're in a game, and then something happens that takes it away from us. Um, we, we're seeing it fairly frequently, and I think that's the third time in four games we've conceded right before half time. Because I think we did against Doncaster and against Wimbledon with the with the penalty. So. Um, there's a bit of a worrying trend there, but I mean, I, I don't think anyone can do anything about that goal, really. It, it, it's a cracking piece of skill from the guy, to be fair. It's just um, annoying that it, it's against us. And actually, the other thing to add about that goal was it was about a minute over the four minutes that we were supposed to be adding on at the start of the, at the end of the first half. So really, the halftime whistle should have gone because there weren't any extra stoppages in that four minutes. The whistle should have gone while the ball was travelling over the... Uh, halfway line and it was 20 yards up in the air before it even gets to the guy who scores okay so as we've been recording steve um i'm obviously getting messages on twitter from people to put into the intro there's quite a lot of um not over the top positivity but people saying that you know this is a team that looks like they can create stuff this is a formation that looks like it does suit the players we've got is this what you want to see going forward i think we've all been saying um for a long while that the the lottery and the bingo of who's going to play where has to stop and that Dave's got to settle on a formation and a nucleus of players who he feels he can trust who can try and make the formation work and I think arguably that team there should be the one that, that goes forward I mean we, look, we looked a bit sloppy in patches and it wasn't perfect but I think there's more positives there than there was for example at, at Bolton when we just looked, looked hopeless um, so yeah, I, th- I think I can see where the positivity is coming from. Um, we hung in there. We maybe didn't we create enough chances. I think Finney is looking back to be the player he was last year. He kept popping up in dangerous areas and he didn't, didn't quite get a rub of the green or his technique wasn't quite there. But he's looking a bit more like the threat he was last year. Um, and that can only be good if he can start getting in those positions and start nicking some goals again. 
there's definitely more to him though. I, I, there has to be, you know, there's a few times on Tuesday and then today as well. He's almost, he's almost done it, but he's not quite for me, but you know, that's going to come hopefully. Um, Andy, which one of our conversation starters that, you know, we've done to death. Do you want to talk about time for our tell to go time for the goalkeepers to change Luke Murphy out for Regan Griffiths. I think that one's possibly a little bit fresher. I mean, the midfield conversation is an interesting one for me because I, I think Murphy blows. On, I mean, he hasn't got the quality of football that some of the other boys have got. He's not. He's not. You know, he's not got the skill of a Lowry or um, or even Robertson. I don't think. But at times, he has got aggression and and fight. And God knows, he loves the club. And so you you can see that in his performances. But I think when he's off, he's really off. Um, and and he's he's you know he's a weak player for me. I thought Griffiths has done okay. Actually, he did okay when he came on on Tuesday. He did okay today. I still think at times he looks kind of young boy in man's game, and he gets a bit out muscled and um, butched on and stuff. But when he's got his time to get his head up and he's got the confidence to look forward for a pass, he he can open it up and he he look he looks a bright one for the future for me. I I, I kind of agree with these guys. I think it's I I like more stability in the team. I like only you know, maximum of one or two changes each game. I think that's that's how people, you know, build understanding and things like that. I could see Robertson coming in for Griffiths, um, you know, once he's once he's back in. And certainly if he comes back in the kind of form he was in when he first uh, when he first got here, I think that would make a change. I, w- I wish we had more sort of options wider. While I think Cash, Ket and Adabisi are doing sort of okay, I kind of feel like they need, a, certainly Adabisi, he needs a bit of, Pressure on him a bit for me. He started today's game. He was terrible for me. Really, really off and just looks low energy. Looks doesn't even go down, close his man up, you know, tight and things like that. And I, I think he, he wouldn't be in my team if we had a, you know, if we had a really decent, you know, replacement giving him pressure. And um, and, and that's not to say I don't think he's going to be a great player. I do, but it, at the moment he's not quite there. But um, yeah, I think in the midfield, I think I'd rather see footballers in the side. That's fundamentally what it boils down to. And I think. At the minute, Murphy, as much as I like him, he, he's not one of the strongest footballers. You know, we've got we've got ball players in there, and we we look better for having them in there. To be honest, Tim, would you go along with that? Is it now time to play Regan Griffiths? Get you know game time experience ready for next season, where he can kick on and be a star in. I mean, let's face it, a League Two team. No, not for me. I I think when Robertson's available, he he'd be in there. I think Lowry would be in there, and I. I agree with Steve. I thought Finney was the big difference today. In those positions he takes up between the midfield and the attack, he gives us something that no one else does. Um, Linking the play, getting us possession higher up the pitch in more dangerous areas. Um, Look, It wasn't a perfect display today, but I think that's probably the most, maybe Gillingham aside, probably the most threatening we've, we've appeared without ever really looking like we were banging the door down and um just just on that basis alone i think i think finney has to come in um and then i guess i guess griffiths would be the sort of the, the first change okay steve talking about the you know the lottery of who's playing where uh last season's target man top scorer comes on at right wing back um fair to say the fan base found that quite bemusing um quite perplexing i as much as anyone thought what is going on I do remember him actually playing wide, I think it was Oxford, wide on the left in the last 15 minutes and doing quite well. well I think they had a standing right back because I probably made him look better than he was. I'm sure in his younger years, he used to be a winger. He used to be a wide player, I'm sure I've read somewhere. So it's not 
completely alien to him, but it did seem very bizarre. Um, and it looked like it wasn't working particularly defensively. But then he popped up and I think he fizzed a ball across in about the last three or four min- minutes. And their, their centre-half got a really good block in otherwise Porter would have scored. So it's a bizarre decision and not one that I really want to see repeated. But for the context of that game, did it work? Possibly so, but I don't think it's a long-term plan, really. The goal came from um, Manjan on the right yeah. as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not actually convinced that that was an attempted cross, but um, it somehow found its um, way to Long's feet and an, another crack and finish. It feels to me like a strange decision putting him out there, but it, he's got a lot of the attributes to be successful playing in that position. He's 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 reasonably strong. He's reasonably aggressive. You know, in the in that kind of one-on-one with a player, he'll he'll mix it with him a little bit and he'll get his foot in and all the rest of it. And and the one thing I do like about him there is. He goes at the box a bit, you know. So when we got the ball in attacking positions today, this is one of my mini frustrations with with Rio at times because he turns back a lot, and it's like he's lost that little bit of confidence he had. Where previously he would have gone on and tried to whip across in or go and attack the box and try and do something, he's dropped away a little bit. Whereas when Mandron come on on that right, he carried on where Kashka had been going and, and went at the box, and that's how the goal came in the end. He he had an option to turn back and lay off a pass and take the easy route, but he didn't. He ran in, cut inside. You know, fizzed it over, and Long's really sharp with his feet, and you know, tap danced and you know, buried it. And it was, um, yeah, I thought Mandrid go. So I, I kind of agree that it's a weird decision. And certainly when I saw it, I thought, well, what's going on here? But I don't know. He's got he's got some of the attributes to be effective in that role. I, I just don't know if if we could rely on him defensively. I think if it's you know if it's a serious change and you seriously think that's your the guy who's going to get back and chase you know chase down the, the opposition winger or something, then I think we'll be, we'll be kidding ourselves I don't see that happening um but you know certain times in certain games a bit like you said then Steve maybe it is a you know an interesting mix and um certainly made a difference today I think part of the reason why he's found himself out there is because whilst we've not been doing particularly well Chris Long's now three and three is on Tim he's you know turning into a possibly the, the the signing of the season well definitely the signing of the season but you know a little bit of a bright spark yeah, definitely. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. I like his movement. I like his attitude. Um, the fact that he's scoring goals is a is a is a bonus, really. Um, and this is a this is a team and a, and a season really where we've had no partnerships whatsoever. Um, and Long and um, Porter are actually becoming a partnership. So I'm glad he kept them together today. Um, after they kind of scored and assisted each other on Tuesday. And yeah, I I like I like the way they um. They work together. I mean, you know, they're not a top end of League One partnership, but they're as good as we've got in this current squad. Um, and yeah, I, I hope we um, we stick with Long. I've been impressed with him in uh, in recent weeks. I honestly think if he could have, um, if we'd not had such bad luck with him in the early part of the season, I think I think we could easily be in a different position actually because he's he, he does give you something up front. He's he's you know he's aggressive in his play. He's fast. He's pacey. He makes interesting runs. He's combining pretty well with Porter, and, and in three games, he's, he's, his finishing looks pretty sharp. Um, and I think if we had that through, you know, August, September, and October, um, we might not be quite so um, feeling quite so <laughs> desolate, you know. I think he is one of the ones, though, Andy, who you were talking about not wanting to shoot and aim for the, you know, if it was a grassy road, aim for the train tracks or the chip shop. Uh, both games this week, he's managed to 
definitely take one on when there's definitely easier options and better options around him. But, you know, you don't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. So it's nice that someone's having a go. Well, there is that. I mean, you're right, though. He's going to um, he's going to have a thousand shots like that before he creeps on in the top corner. So um, I think we might have to get used to a few going into the stand, to be honest. The only other thing I wanted to mention from the Ipswich game was just I thought the overall level of the performance was pretty good, but there was some seriously muddled thinking. Bringing on Mandron to be extra height in the box just as you're taking a corner and then taking a short corner and not even crossing it is ridiculous. As is with the next chance we get to take a corner, it hitting the front man at knee height. And then Knight, our Premier League superstar, taking a, a free kick with a, a minute to go and not even getting it above knee height. It just shows that there's a real muddy-headed thinking at times within the club um, around some of the decisions we're making. You could genuinely do a compilation reel of the world's worst free kicks from this season. The infamous free kick against Doncaster that led to them having a, a four-on-one break from us having a free kick on the edge of their area um, would be number one, but there's so many others as well. Yeah, it's just, I think this is, um, at the minute, it's just classic crew that we all sort of grew up in various stages of uh, crew's history and just throw-ins, corners, free kicks. We're just not doing anything with them at the minute. It doesn't make me really angry when people hit the front man at head height because there's a really, really fine difference between just beating the front man so someone can get in there and nod it in and hitting the front man, it's about six inches, right? But when it doesn't even get above chest height or knee height like that Ben Knight one does, then it's just embarrassing. Okay, the weather has meant that there's no women's game this week. So next, we'll look ahead to Wednesday night when we'll be back in Pizza Cup action. So Wednesday night, it was the game that was so good. They decided to play it for a second time in the season. We've got Doncaster returning to Gresty Road to see who is going to take their place in the next round of the Pizza Trophy. Steve, are you excited? Um, I was kind of for the early games, but I feel like I've, you know, a lot of the fringe players who, who I may have seen in that game are now playing in the first team. So are the next batch going to sort of step up and, and, and play? I'm not sure. Is it going to be the likes of Jay Loy, Jay, Jay Neal um, and co.? Um, and having sat through the previous Doncaster match, I'm quite interested. I may actually watch it to see if it could be just as bad, if not worse. Um, that might be the only reason I might tune in, to be honest. Yeah, at that first game in the league, I mean, the, the metaphor that springs to mind is it's like blindfolding two small children and saying there's a piñata in the room and then taking the piñata away and just watching them swing at nothing for 90 minutes before telling them they can take the blindfold off. It was so bad. If that's not a League Two fixture next season, then I do not know anything about football. Um, Andy, you're, like I say, it's only the second time you've been on for a regular pod. Um, is this the trophy that Dave Artel wins to save his crew Alex managerial career? Uh, no, I can't. I, I, to be honest, I, I can't get on the edge of my seat about the competition at all. I, I really struggle with it since the, since the kind of sellout moment with the Premier League under-23s and what have you. But um, I quite like it for the reason Steve was saying. It, it, it usually brings in one or two of the lads that you're less familiar with and you get a chance to see them play. 
um, at that level. And as Steve said, they, they've all made it into the first team now. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether the next, you know, the next little clutch might um, get a game. I hope they do in a way. I think, I think if this season has got anything to offer us, um, you know, in the longer term, it is, it is now about bringing some of those youngsters through. So, you know, if, if we are, uh, you know, we stick with the doom and gloom theme and assume we're, we're not going to get out of this and it's going to take a, a bit of a miracle, to be honest, um, then, then I think we are building for, a, for another season. And actually, you know, the, the, the way the cycle goes with, with the Alex is that we need the youngsters coming through. So I'd be using Wednesday to, you know, blood a couple of more of them in and, and, and you know, give them a chance to, you know, just like, like at least, you know, get, get what it's like to play in that first team and, you know, be part of that setup. And who knows, we might be needing them before the end of the season. It does seem from, you know, the lack of noise coming out of the club, Tim, that they have decided for now that Dave Artelli is going to be given time to sort this out. But I don't know. I think the way football works is if, if you're not going to make a big change, if there's not a big impetus from somewhere, then I think it's just going to carry on, isn't it? So I, I, I don't see anything other than relegation if this is going to be the way the, the, the club looks at the end of this season. Oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going down. That's absolutely unquestionable. Um, if we had last year's team and you put them in this position in the league table and said, go for it, I would say it would probably be 50-50 that we would stay up. But with the team we've got now, there's absolutely no chance whatsoever. Even if we suddenly start playing really well and winning a few games, um, we just don't have the quality to to stay up from here, which uh, Wednesday, all the more important in my eyes. I'm, I'm well up for it personally now. Um, all the under-21 teams are out of the, of the competition, which means that we're back to the old days of, you know, it's it's just the Football League trophy. Um, I think that's just the North, isn't it, Tim? Yeah, it is just the North. Um, sorry, yeah. But, I mean, we, we couldn't we couldn't draw any of them before Wembley, so and they'll all be out by then anyway. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I don't think we've got anything to fear from Doncaster. They'll probably think from their league position that they're, they can still stay up. So, um you know, I I think their their eye will be off the ball for this one on Wednesday, and um, yeah, it's basically the only thing we've got left to play for other than the youth cup. So um, let's go for it. There's a bit of decent prize money to pick up. It's cheap to get in. Um, I'm I'm going to be there, and I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. So with that uh, little note of positivity from Tim, we'll move on from the pizza trophy game uh, to the next weekend's game in the youth cup, as you've just mentioned, Tim. Dave, I believe you'll be there again. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, free to get in. It kicks off 1.30 next Sunday. So that's the 5th, isn't it, of December. Um, I've seen the first round and the second round and they've been really good games. And I think I mentioned this before, but it makes such a change to be at Gresty Road and to be watching a team that you think might not lose and might it actually even win. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great atmosphere. There's been four or 500 people there the last couple of games. This one's against Hull. Um, I don't really know what their youth team's like, but if crew play like they have the last couple of games, there's no reason why they can't progress to the next round. Come on down. I think Hall knocked us out of this tournament last season, so um, we owe them one. I'll be there too. See you there. Okay. Um, We'll finish then with our competition. Uh, Last week we had Alex, who didn't move from eighth. We had Aaron, who didn't move from 15th. And we had Steve Bennett, who moved from 14th to 11th. Uh, This week, then, obviously, we've got the three guys. Steve, you are currently in the best position out of the three. 
You're in ninth out of 16 with an average of 23 minutes out per guess. Uh, I'm going to come to you first for the Doncaster game on Wednesday night. 23 minutes. 23. Tim, you are in 14th now with an average of 30 and a half minutes out per guess. What have you got for Doncaster? 10 minutes. Okay. Andy, you've been on once before. You've had two guesses. You're currently in 16th out of 16 with an average of 54 minutes out per guess. Can I get your prediction for the minute of the goal in the Doncaster game? Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite liking being bottom of the league. I feel like I'm truly in tune with my club. Um, I, I'm going to go early again. I'm going to go four minutes. Okay, brave to keep going with this tactic. All right, uh, I think that will do us for today. We're not at this moment sure if we'll be back next week. Hopefully we will, uh, but at the minute it's up, up in the air. Andy, thank you for coming on for the second time today. No, my pleasure. Great, great to be here. Steve, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Tim, thank you very much. Cheers, Jim. Cheers, guys. Thank you all for listening. We may be back next week, or it might be the week after. But until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, 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 ding,